Welcome to another episode of Everyday Ecclesiology. Wow. I guess it's back. You've been there before. Yeah. You're here again. Maybe this is your first episode. If so, welcome to your first episode of Everyday Ecclesiology. Thank you for listening. It hasn't been every day, though, because you've only listened to one. But maybe this is the first day of every... Well, we don't put it out every day. So. Oh, dear. No. Yeah, that'd be a lot. It could be fun. Maybe if we did like a 10-minute thing every day, that'd be fine. Or like five minutes. Like a five-minute uh, like briefing type like of who thing. Who wants to listen to that, though? Not me. I wouldn't want to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, I also wouldn't want to put in the work to record it. So, what's new with you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm back to work. That's I don't know why fun. I put that on. Oh, last time we were on vacation, weren't we? Probably. Yeah. Really? We were at the end of vacation. Wow, it feels yeah. like it's been so long since vacation. Yep, but it's only been two, three work days. Wow. Which is one week of work for me, so yeah. yeah. I've been back to work for a whole week. Uh, well, because it's been one week since we recorded, too. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's 9.18 at night. It's actually pretty good. It's not we've, bad. We've recorded later than that before, but when we get done, it's going to be like 9... 40, <laughs> 48, 47, something like that. We're at a minute and 20 seconds, but there's some dead spaces anyway. Sophia loves my speaker. Yeah, you got a new speaker. <laughs> you set it down on the floor with her, and she's like grabbing it. And she was playing music. Yeah, yeah, trying to dance along to mm-hmm. it. Got a new speaker so I could listen to podcasts at work. Hey. Yeah, including this one. It is really weird hearing my own voice, but it's not. I don't hate it anymore, which maybe isn't good. I don't know. It's I don't helpful. think it's a prideful thing. I don't think I don't like hearing my own voice all the time, but I like listening through it again. I had a guy actually at work come up to me. He's like, hey, I heard your voice while I was talking to you. It was weird because he was listening to me on an earbud and actually talking to me in mm-hmm. person. He's like, that was trippy. I didn't know what was going on. It was kind of funny. But I listen to podcasts on a speaker at work. I got a new one so that I can actually last more than three hours on a speaker because yeah. your speaker is uh, seen better days. Yep. Yep. Much better days. I so, listened to it a lot while yeah. I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was helpful. But now I got a cheap one. It was actually free to me. But yep. Sophia loved it. Yeah. I had music playing on it, some Christmas music, I think. She really liked it. Yeah. She was playing with it. She would flip it over and go, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you could see my face. Otherwise, that sounded like I was growling at you. But she, like, rounds her mouth out, like, with a O kind of expression on it. Like, O. Like, if you make an O and then are, like, super excited, then you get, oh. It's funny. (laughs) And then she flips it over because it makes different sounds depending on which way the speaker is facing. She loved it. And it's waterproof. Yeah. And spit-up proof, which we found out. we did find out. And that turned out to be really good that it was waterproof, too, because not only did it repel the spit-up, but then I could just put it under the faucet and go, and then it was all clean, too, and dried out. So really good, really good buy there. Um, We didn't decorate for Christmas yet. No. We're talking about when to do it. Um, I'd be fine with decorating now. Oh, really? Yeah, I'd be fine with it now. Wow, we must be different than that. Yeah. But I just, I really like decorating together. Even if that means, like last year, me sitting on the couch and watching you decorate. Okay. <laughs> but it's fun to have it decorated for Christmas, have Christmas mm-hmm. lights. just makes it feel... Cozy. Fun. Cozy. Yeah. yeah. Cozy's good. Makes me want to snuggle up on the couch with my wife, which is a good thing. And watch a Hallmark movie. Yes. Are we going to say that we're watching Hallmark movies? Is that yeah. okay to admit to? It doesn't mean we believe in the message that they portray. Did I just pop your give. knuckles on that fist you bump? Did. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Yeah, we're not endorsing Hallmark movies and their philosophy. That's not what we're doing. In fact, we're the type of people that we talk during movies. Have we Mm -hmm. we said this before, right? I don't know. I can't remember what we did, but we talk during movies. And if you don't like that, I'm sorry. 
I think we've talked about this. Maybe. It wasn't during a movie, though. I remember t- talking about how people don't like yeah. talking during movies and that I didn't enjoy that. Yeah. But Maybe there's a super fan that'll remember what episode it was in. Yeah, I mean, there's probably. only seven to choose from, so pick a number. Leave it. In, we don't have comments. They can't leave it in the comments below. All right. But we watch Countdown to Christmas movies to laugh at them. Yep. It's funny. Be like, oh, yep. that's the guy. Yep. Or, oh, I knew this argument was coming mm-hmm. type of thing. Oh, yep. Mom's going to tell her to follow her heart. Yep. That's how she got in the mess in the first place. All right. Yep. That sounds okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Let's think about this. No, don't think about it. It's a Hallmark movie. You're not supposed to, right? Yeah. We also got a new board game. I'm good at these transitions. I just move right on. Yep. It's called I mean, we'll have to Pseudo. Talk. Yeah. The probably... game of the path. Ooh. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's easy. You just mm-hmm. have a piece, you lay down a tile, and you go where it says to go. Like, I'm excited it's super simple. to teach Sophia how to play yeah. someday. She's probably going to start beating me at it. She's going to whip nice. me at it. It'll be fun. And we're prepping Sophia for daylight savings time. Yeah. And by we, I mean mostly you. I don't remember my mom ever doing that, but someone shared a, um, oh, what's it called? Article with me about mm-hmm. how to prep your children for daylight savings time. Yeah. So I tried one, I'm trying one of the options, getting it ready, and hopefully by the time Sunday comes around, she's already on that schedule anyway. So yeah. it's a little hard for me because as soon as it comes <laughs> down for her bedtime, like 7.30, I'm like, yes, put her to bed finally. And doing now it this way, it's like 10 minutes later yep. each day. And I'm like, it's 8 o'clock, I just want her to go to bed. Yeah. Because I get so tired. Mm-hmm. And I just want to put her to bed, even though if she's not ready. Yep. But. Um, all right. So what are we actually talking about today? I have no idea. Well, do you remember what we talked about last week? I didn't uh, title it. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Yeah. We did an intro to the ordinances. Yes. the title last week. Yes. And I forgot to put a title on this sheet that we're looking at yeah, now. Yeah. And then he asked me. I'm like, um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, last week I said we would start... By actually going a little bit more in depth since last week was right. an introduction. So I debated on which one to start with. Should we start with baptism or should we start with Lord's Supper? But it makes sense that we should start with baptism. What? Do you have an idea? Oh, I was going to ask if you had an idea why. <laughs> beat you beat you. me to it. All right. So the reason why is because that's the progression that people go in. Oh, what do you mean? For example, you, you shouldn't be taking Lord's Supper if you're not baptized. Oh, I see. Yep. Which some people don't believe in. Correct. Side note, I don't know if we'll get there. Yeah, but. Um, but our church, for instance, for example, will does require baptism. You have to be a baptized member um, in order to be able to partake of the Lord's Supper. Or you have to be baptized, not necessarily a member, to partake of the really? Lord's Supper. Really? Because I... okay. Yeah. Okay. It, do, it doesn't seem like they make that very clear. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. That's for another time. Okay. Um... But that, that's not a, a slight. That's just, if you come into, this will be a side note. It'll be fun. You can come into a church. Hopefully you are in a church if you're a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and the, chur- and the church will have a, a doctrinal statement and it'll have bylaws. Right. Does everyone in that church agree 100% with everything in that doctrinal statement and bylaws? Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. Right? Yeah. But what if over time somebody realizes that, hey, maybe this shouldn't be a part of our bylaws because either um, maybe playing with cards isn't inherently a sin. <laughs> That'll probably be an example some of us are familiar with. 
Or maybe going to a movie theater isn't inherently a sin. So maybe that shouldn't be part of our bylaws. Mm. Well, okay. Maybe not everyone, maybe people in the church have come to understand that, oh, maybe this shouldn't be, not necessarily those things, but maybe this aspect of our bylaws shouldn't be here anymore. Okay, well, how long does it take from the moment one person realizes, oh, maybe this shouldn't be here? to the time that they're able to actually chat with people and understand, am I right on maybe this shouldn't be here? And should I agree with this? Or is this actually worded improperly and shouldn't be part of this? Or am I just misunderstanding something? I think I just presented the same two options four different ways. Either way, (laughs) um, how long does it take from the time someone realizes that, oh, maybe these are erroneous in one way, to the time that it actually gets changed? There's a time period there. So if something was off in our bylaws, it takes time for everyone to get on the same page about, oh, we need to actually go through the process of changing this. Right. Even if practically they're all unified around what is actually truth um, and w- what actually should be a part in what they believe and what actually is crucial to what they believe. Maybe they're all unified about it and it's in disagreement with the bylaws. Mm-hmm. Well, usually people don't think about changing the bylaws. They just, right. oh, hey, we learned this new thing. Now we're all on board. Um, and we don't think about, oh, well, that's in the bylaws that we believe something else, so now we gotta we got to change that. Right. Oh, that's in the doctrinal statement. So sometimes there are discrepancies between um, what a church says in its bylaws and what a church actually believes. And yes, those need to be resolved. Right. They do. It does realistically take some amount of time at least to resolve that issue. Mm-hmm. And usually it'll be a little bit longer than a second. Usually it'll be closer to um, a couple years. Yeah. Before they actually realize and think about, oh, well, I just thought I agreed with this d- statement because I did when I signed it, but now we've learned and we've grown and we're more rooted and grounded in the truth of what scripture is trying to tell us. And so now we need to actually, oh, I guess we do need to change that because they're going through, maybe they're going through that with uh, someone coming into the church and they're walking through bylaws with them and they're walking through doctrinal statement with them. Then they might come across the, oh, I oh, we don't actually agree with that. Hey, right. can, can we get this changed? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it does take time for people to realize that, oh, we need to actually change our doctrinal statement if we realize that something was wrong with it. Right. Partly because how many people actually know what their doctrinal statement of the church says? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be a good thing to know. Yep. Especially if you're looking to join a church. I wouldn't mind getting a copy of our churches again and reading mm-hmm. through it again. I think I think we're going to be revising them. I think it's just a pretty good time with us moving church buildings and changing the church name to actually just go through them again. I think yeah, I, I think it would be nice, at least. I don't know if this is actually on the docket, but I could see our pastor going through this way as to, hey, as we're moving to a new church building, we do also need to remember that, yes, it's a new church building, but it's the same body of believers mm-hmm. functioning as a body. We're meeting, we're gathering, we're assembling, hence the word ecclesia, where we get the, the word church. Mm-hmm. Um well, it's not where we get the word church, but it's translated as church. Anyway, where we're assembling has changed, but who we are has not because right. our identity isn't, or it shouldn't be at least, tied to a building. Yeah. So let's walk through our doctrinal statement to remind ourselves of who we are. Yeah. And then that could be a, a good um, canvas or a good opportunity to say, hey, do we still agree with everything? Because those were written a long time ago. Not that they couldn't have the truth a long time ago. That's not what I'm saying. But they were also written by different people mm-hmm. with different theological assumptions and different 
and who were living in a different um, uh, culture. Yeah. Yes, it was still America. Yes, it was still Iowa. Yes, it was still Des Moines, Iowa. I mean, they already know where we are anyway, so it's fine. But still. Um, but maybe they were so adamant about one thing that they put it in their doctrinal statement. The example I gave being um, going to a theater. Maybe they put it in their doctrinal statement. We are so convinced that this is wrong that we're going to put, you cannot go to a theater in our doctrinal statement because it's just of the devil. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, you must believe that the King James version is the inspired version. And maybe they put that in their doctrinal statement. And maybe some people have come around to say, well, nowhere, if you carefully exegete scripture, will you come across King James translation as being inspired. It's just, it's not in the text, partially because it uh, didn't exist. So it's very hard for it to be in the text. And so it, you can't really read scripture and say, well, I think that when Paul was writing to Timothy about all scripture being inspired, he was talking about the King James Version. Mm, that's King. not really consistent with authorial intent. <laughs> What's so, our topic for tonight? <laughs> yep, I got distracted. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not against the King James Version. I'm against King James Onlyism. But only because I believe it's inconsistent with Scripture and it promotes eisegesis. Anyway, maybe you realize maybe that's in your doctrinal statement. It's not in ours. And then you re later you realize, hey, maybe this shouldn't be in there. Maybe the King James translation is fine, but maybe it doesn't have to be the only translation. So <clears throat> maybe you remove it then. That's an example. How did I get under that? Baptism precedes Lord's Supper. Yes. And even from the definitions I gave last week, which I should have pulled up. And didn't put in here, so... Um, you want me to pull them up quick while you yeah. keep talking? Yeah, do you got your phone? I can get it. Do you got your phone? Wow. Ain't I qualified to do a podcast? All right. Um, we're going to give the definition again, but if you remember, uh, a baptism, at least according to Lehman's definition, which we're going to be walking through bit by bit, and I was thinking about this a little bit, so before I forget, um, I didn't want to just be parroting Lehman. Right? Right. I mentioned that last week. But I want to think about it slightly differently. Okay? On our show, on our show, on the podcast, we don't want to be the experts here. We want to have guests in to speak, right? Mm-hmm. We can treat Lehman as a guest. Yeah. He's not here in person. That would be kind of fun. That'd be kind of nice to do. But if I'm quoting him a lot, I'm going to use it, I'm going to, I'm going to view that as having him on as a guest who's more of an expert than I am um, and can think more more broadly, more carefully about, uh, this, has spent more time at least um, carefully examining scriptures concerning baptism, Lord's Supper, that type of thing. Today's date is, okay, I'm looking for the 22nd. It's not today's date. Today's date is the 28th. The show's notes are for the 29th. I want the 22nd. So what is our guest's definition of baptism? Our virtual guest Jonathan Lehman. Oh. Yeah. Our, uh, baptism. For baptism. Yeah. Oh, dear. These are the ones with the two actions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, church's act of affirming and portraying a believer's union with Christ by immersing him or her in water and a believer's act of publicly committing him or herself to Christ and his people. Okay. I'm going to stop you there. I okay. know there's more. I stopped you mid-sentence. <laughs> but it's a baptism where you're publicly proclaiming, I'm uniting with Christ and his people. Mm -hmm. According to Lehman's definition here. According to our guest's definition. <laughs> um, 
Oh, you can't see my funky hand gestures, yes. but they were very fancy. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a fancy man. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, Jonathan Lehman proposes, um, based on his understanding of scripture, that it's baptism um, that portrays, that unites a believer with the local church. But you're not supposed to take the Lord's Supper until you're united with a local church. We see that in the next definition. So, well, where baptism. do we see that in scripture? Is that not important? Um, well, it's a little bit of a logical deduction, which is why oh, okay. sometimes there's a discrepancy on whether people think you need to be baptized, whether yeah. you don't. It's a, it's a logical argument based off of several other scriptural understandings okay. working together, is how people will put it together. Is it a gray area? I'm not going to use that term. Does it require wisdom to think about carefully? Mm, yes. I like that. It does. That's my fancy way of saying it's a gray area. But without saying that you can do whatever you want. Because right. I think that's sometimes what gray area promotes. Yeah. Is when I say, oh, it's a gray area, people think, great, I can do whatever I want. Within... Yeah, just don't cross the fence. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to promote that. I want to promote careful thinking about, well, okay, I may have what I want. I don't dismiss that entirely, but I hold it pretty loosely. And I have what I understand now. And yeah, I want to I wanna keep referring to that, but I also want to have, how can I, or rather, through what lenses should I look at this issue? Hmm. So instead of saying, well, okay, different people take different views within this and they're fine, so I can just do whatever I want within this. Yeah. Rather to say, well, what would probably be the best based on as many factors as I can factor in, which takes a little bit more work than just saying, well, it's great, you can do what you want. Make a little yeah. bit of sense? Okay. So um, that's why whether or not you need to be baptiz baptized to take Lord's Supper is sometimes viewed as, um, is sometimes opposite sides are both taken by believing Christians. It's not heresy to, to say either one. Is it heterodoxy? Maybe. I might be using that term improperly. I'm not going to say yes or no. You can uh, look that up on your own. Yep. So um, at the very least, baptism is a one-time thing that typically precedes, comes before, uh, Lord's Supper, communion. Participating in. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whereas Lord's Supper is a continual, not like every moment of every day. That's really bad. Don't think about doing that. You're not waiting <laughs> for everyone. You're not all assembled. Don't do it. Look at 1 Corinthians 11 at the very end of it for an explanation on that. We'll get there. And I'm really excited for it. But first, we want to go to baptism. Because baptism... In Scripture, as we'll see, especially in Acts, which we're going to breeze through several texts, not even all of the main texts, just several that I pulled out that show a couple of different things. We're going to breeze through some texts, but the normal practice is for someone to accept Christ and then almost immediately be baptized. Mm -hmm. They're not the same thing. Mm -mm. One's not required. Well, one is required for the other, but the other is not required for the one. Yes. Meaning, baptism is not required for salvation. Right. Baptism normally follows salvation Correct. as portrayed by scripture. Um, and true baptism is only following after salvation. Mm -hmm. And salvation is required for it to be legitimate baptism, mm -hmm. as scripture uses the term, Um but you can be baptized. You can be immersed without being saved. It's just not biblical baptism. I don't remember where I was going with that. So, another side note: we aren't going to go in depth about John's baptism. 
Yeah. Uh, that was before, not before Christ, because Christ is eternal. That was before Christ. Ministry here on earth. Yeah. That oh. wasn't even in the notes. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. I was trying to work my way through. How do I express this? And Desiree's just, she's smart. There it is. Um, it is fascinating. It's fun to look at. Understanding John's baptism, um, baptism of believers, how it differed, how it was similar, what was the purpose of John's baptism. Maybe another time. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a guest. That'd be and fun. they can do it. Uh, they can talk about it, but not for tonight. So we're already twenty minutes in. Yeah. So if and you we got to breeze through one, two, really three, four, breeze. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven texts. That is less than a minute per text. Just go every other. No, we're gonna do all of them because okay. I wasn't planning on exegeting <laughs> each one of them in depth. I was teasing. Oh, that's not fun. Sorry. Teasing is fun, oh, but okay. not skipping references. Oh, is okay. Fun. Yeah, you're fun. Acts. We're gonna start in Acts. We mentioned already. Uh, start of the church was in Acts. It wasn't in Genesis. It was in Acts. We talked through that. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a guest on yet, but we talked about it. We're going from Acts. Moving on. Acts chapter 2. Um, you'll probably hear some pages flipping. If not, yay! If so, well, I figured as much. Acts chapter 2. Um, church is starting. Not like assembly. Man. I did have plenty of coffee during our coffee tasting, didn't we I? We had lots of coffee today. We had a coffee tasting. It was fun. But that's not in Acts 2. What is in Acts chapter 2 is Acts 2, verse 38, where Peter says, Repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I picked out some of these texts because they're clear examples of people believed in Christ. They were saved. Those are the same thing. They believed in Christ. They were saved. And then they were immediately baptized. I picked some texts because of that. This shows that. But some texts don't seem to show that. Like if you just breeze through and you read this one verse, it seems like, did they just get saved by being baptized? No, they didn't. They didn't. But it seems like it if you just breeze through one. So I'm, I'm putting some texts in because they're clear examples where we can see, oh, that's baptism. And other examples to where we just, I intentionally, for the sake of tonight, don't read much of the surrounding context. And I just put it out there and you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Because we'll get to them at a later point. Yeah. Acts 2.41 is another example of a text. Um, so those who accepted his message, uh, this is uh, the message of salvation that Peter was preaching. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Um, them being, they weren't called the church yet, but they were functionally the church. Um, so what do we see there? People accepted his message. They believed the gospel, to put it in terms we typically use today. And then they were baptized. The, only the people that accepted the message were baptized. And this, I'll give a quick side note. I will make it quick. I'm looking at my time. <laughs> um, this makes sense because nobody that didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah was going to be baptized. Yeah. And we'll see why later in Acts. Um, and really not much later because uh, people got arrested in two chapters later for um, believing. And Peter and John faced the Jewish leadership and believers were sharing things, praying for boldness because they were being persecuted. <laughs> so if you were baptized, people knew. You were... Yeah. You might say you were marked off from the world. I mean, Lehman would say that. And people knew that you were associating with Christians. Yeah. So you weren't going to be baptized unless you knew, hey, 
I'm going to be persecuted, but this is truth. I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to associate with these people. I'm going to say, no, I'm not part of the rest of the world. I'm part of this community of believers, this assembly, this body of believers, the first church. And I'm going to associate with them because, yeah, there's going to be persecution, but I believe it. It's true. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that everything you believe is true, but I believe that this is truth. I'm confident this is the truth, and it was. So they weren't being baptized unless they were saved. Yeah. But then immediately after they were saved, those who did believe were like, hey, we need to be baptized. They were baptized. Mm-hmm. And then they were added to the church. Okay. That was a quick side note. It was. It was about a minute. That wasn't too bad. Acts 8. We'll move ahead a little bit I more. I have that one. You do? Oh, yeah. 12, 12 and 13. 13. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. That's it. Yeah, I know. There's more on there, but I just I, wanted that little yeah. section. Yep. So 12 and 13 is what I had written on there. Mm-hmm. I didn't even look for it in my Bible. Um, You've got 26 through 39 there, too. Yep. They believed, and then they were baptized. Men and women. didn't matter if you were a man or woman. If you believed, you, you obeyed and were baptized. Yeah. Then, later in chapter 8, this is an extended section, and I'm going to read quick. I talk a little bit fast. Fortunately, most media players, you can slow it down to three-quarter speed. <laughs> that might sound about normal at the rate I'm talking tonight. Because yeah. I'm trying to plow through these texts, not because they're unimportant, but because our task isn't to... Anyway. Okay. Acts 8. I'm going to read 26 through 39. Um, this is the Ethiopian eunuch. Yes. That's how it's typically referred to. So an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, said, "Go, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza? I don't know how you pronounce it. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her, her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. Who's reading? Good. The spirit, he was also reading Isaiah, even better. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. Okay, I'll just, you know, catch a, a running chariot. That sounds reasonable. <laughs> um, but when Philip ran up to it, all right. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? Just, you know, running alongside the chariot. Hey, do you understand what you're reading? How do you know the chariot was moving? Um, he, he ran up to it. I don't know. He was sitting, he was on his way home. Why would he be stopped in the middle of a desert road? Oh, I suppose. Yeah, we don't know for sure. That's just my speculation. How can I? The eunuch said, unless someone guides me. Verse 31. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. What a, what a neat passage to come mm-hmm. alongside while he's reading. Funny how that just happened to work out. It's not like, you know, God's sovereign and put him there at that time. Anyway, the eunuch replied to Philip, I'm in verse 34. The eunuch replied to Philip, I asked you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or another person? So Philip proceeded to tell him about the good news about Jesus, beginning from that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What should keep me from being baptized? Hmm. Hmm. So now he understood Christ, and he's like, well, don't I need to be baptized? Why can't I just be baptized now? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 38, then he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. So they they got out of the chariot, they walked down, and then Philip picked up some water and sprinkled it on his head. That's why they walked into the water, right? Oh. No. I'm... My Bible doesn't have that verse. No? 
Oh, you must not have the right translation. Well, because... I have ESV. Yeah. Well, wait, which verse are you talking about? No, it says, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. Oh, verse 37 down into in mine. The water. And Philip and the eunuch. Philip What's verse and the eunuch, say? and he baptized him. Um, it just doesn't have 37. Yeah, some, some, uh, what, it just goes from 36 to 38? 36 to 38. I'm oh. so confused. Yeah, okay, well, okay. I, that's because I have a, a note. Um, other manuscripts omit that bracketed text, verse 37. Oh, okay. So your Bible might also go from 36 to 38. Okay. Um, that's a fun topic for another time. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that later. So, um. Well, that, and that taking... That verse being in there does not change no. the context at all. So, no. um, I think you missed what I said afterwards about when they went down out of the water. Oh, did I? Yeah, I'm because sorry. your Bible shouldn't have that verse. I said, so they got out of the chariot, they went down into the water, and then uh, Philip picked up some water and sprinkled it on his head. Oh, yes. Th- that's My why Bible they went does into not the- have that. <laughs> no, neither does mine. Um, and it seems kind of silly if we think about sprinkling being the way for baptism. Because otherwise, why would they actually walk into the water and get themselves wet? Yeah. If you're just going to be sprinkled. Like, just stand at the edge, not go into the water. Just stand by the water, pick it up, and and sprinkle. Just go here. Like when you're by a pool and you're standing with somebody watching the kids in the pool and you just reach in and just splash a little water on their face. Why don't you just do a little bit of that? Or just kind of use your foot and there you go. You're baptized. But... They didn't. They went into the water. So maybe immersion. Maybe immersion, like the word that they actually used, was used for a reason because mm-hmm. immersion means immersion, not sprinkling. Yep. Maybe they shouldn't have transliterated it in the King James version. Daniel. Well, that's what happened. Sorry. Um. Anyway, back on topic. Uh, that was a, a very long passage, but the man believed. Once he understood, he's like, "Hey, I, I need to be baptized. Can we just can we do this now?" Yep. Um. The one snag. That some people will run into with this verse would be like, well, I thought baptism had to take place within the local church. Well, the local church was still forming, and he was the start of the next local church that he went to, most likely. Okay. We aren't really told, but he was in conjunction with another believer. But this is also the very start of the church, so yeah. I'm not throwing it out, but... They might have had to travel really far. Yeah, but if we use the rest of the text to say, well, what's normative at the very least, it's within the context of a local church, into fellowship with that local church. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, that was a very long text from Acts 8, 26 to 39, which actually I remember the reference to because of a Southern gospel song by the Kingdom Heirs. Um, I think the song was Just Preach Jesus. Somebody can look that up. But it has that, actually the reference. One of the lines is, I remember back in Acts at chapter 8, verse 35. Oh, funny. Yeah, I was like, well, I know where that passage is at. Yeah. Uh, they were talking about salvation, not specifically baptism, oh. but uh, it's in there. There you go. Acts 16. Uh, there's a, a jailer. and ooh, Actually, we'll no, turn to this one. that's 18. No, that's 16. Oh, just kidding. Yep. Paul and Silas are in prison. Um, and then at midnight, the gates break open. There's a violent earthquake, verse 26. Um, and then the jailer woke up. He was going to kill himself because he's like, all my prisoners are, have escaped. They're going to execute me in a very nasty way, so I'll just kill myself. Save myself some pain. But Paul called out and was like, hey, uh, don't do that. We're here. So he turned on the lights and was like, hey. No, he didn't turn on the lights. <laughs> he called for lights. Excuse me, verse 29. I saw lights and I was like, he turned on the lights. Wait, they didn't have a switch. Um, but what did Paul say? 
in verse 31, he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So if the jailer would believe, his whole house would be saved. Mm. And that's not what the text is saying. It's also not consistent with the rest of scripture. But, uh, so then Paul spoke, they spoke the message, this is Paul and Silas, spoke the message of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. So everyone in his house heard the same mm -hmm. message that if you believe, you will be saved. Um, they didn't mention baptism. Weird. So they didn't have to be baptized to be saved? Good to know. Uh, verse 32, I already read that. So verse 33, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. This is the jailer. Took them the same hour, washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. All his family were baptized, but did all of them believe? Apparently. Verse 34, he brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had believed God with his entire household. Mm, there you go. So the whole household believed. That's why they were baptized. Mm -hmm. Not because the dad believed so they could all be baptized into, you know, now they can be baptized as kids because the dad's saved. That's yeah. not how that works. No. Nope. Mm -mm. But it is a text that will come up in arguments for infant baptism, for example, which we uh, don't hold to yeah uh proclaim there's another word for it that i don't have time to think of because we're already at 33 minutes yep all right act 16 act 18 i have 18 8 pulled up okay crispus the ruler of the synagogue crispy <laughs> believed in the lord together with his entire household and many of the corinthians hearing paul believed and were baptized all right so they believed and then they were baptized seems to be a pattern here all right first corinthians 1 um, versus like, oh, there's Crispy again. <laughs> Crispus, verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you. What? Paul, what do you mean you're thankful that you didn't baptize any of them? Well, that's what you say. Okay, Paul, verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say you were baptized in my name. Oh, that's why. I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know if I baptized anyone else. All right, so Paul's talking a little bit about baptism here. We'll have to come back to this text. It's a lot of fun. We studied this together as a church family. It was it was yeah. great. Pastor was quite helpful in helping us learn how to look at the text, ask questions of the text, evaluate whether or not the question actu the text actually answers that question, and think within the context of what's actually going on here to ask better questions. Mm -hmm. All right, Galatians three. Oh wow, you already For got it. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We need to remember the context of this book being written to mm -hmm. believers in the church. Yeah. That's why it says, for in Christ Jesus, you're all sons of God through faith. Mm -hmm. Not just saying, hey, everyone in the world. Well, I mean, there is a sense in which everyone did descend from, is a, is a son of God. Yeah. In Meaning that God is the one who created everything. And so, yes, in that sense, you did descend from the man that God made. But does that mean that you're saved? No. Does that mean you have any merit or favor before God? No. It just means that, yeah, God's the creator of all things. That's all it really means. So, yes, there's kind of a sense in which we're all sons of God, but I'm not going to say it like yeah, that. Yeah, because, because that Because that communicates something that I don't want to communicate. Right. Um, and it's typically used in a different context. Yeah. I believe... I don't know. I don't know exactly which religion. I have a I have an inkling that we ran into some of them out in Utah, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, that was Ephesians. Or no, that was Colossians. What was that one? That Galatians. Was, yeah. Galatians. 
It yep. was one of those shins. Colossians, I have, 2, 11, and 12. Having been buried with him now, before I read this, this is another one of those that um, covenant theologians in particular will hold to quite dearly. It is scripture. I'm not going to just not read it because I don't want you to know this text, text exists, but I do want you to think carefully about what the text is trying to communicate. And I'm not telling you tonight what the text is trying to communicate here. I'm not telling you arguments for what to think and what not to think. I'm pulling two verses out that talk specifically about baptism. I'm not giving you any context right now, which I'd love to do more on. More. Moron. I just said moron. <laughs> I'd love to do, I'd love to expound farther upon, but I'm just saying, hey, this is a text that gets referenced. I'm going to read it so you know what kind of texts we're looking at. Colossians 2, 11 and 12. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands, by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah, having been buried with him. What? Oh, just maybe read more towards the mic. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was turning the other way. Okay, Colossians 2, 11 and 12. I'll start again. There goes your phone. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands, by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay. It's a text on baptism. It's not a text specifically on, hey, I'm going to teach you about baptism, but it's a text that references baptism. We're going to move on from there for now because that's, it's a loaded text that gets used a variety of different ways. Romans 6, okay. 3 and 4. I'm going to grab this one. I think okay. you already have it, but I'm going to grab it. That's fine. You got the last one? Sure. Romans 6. Hopefully you heard all my delicious flipping pages. I like that sound. <laughs> uh, three and four. Or are you unaware... It's a page flip. That all, or, or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. All right, text on baptism. It's there. What you got? Last one. First Peter yeah. three twenty one. Yeah, but I don't really know the context that well to explain this. Um, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hmm. It might be so easy to take this one out of context. Yeah, and say, oh, see, baptism saves you. Boom. Baptism now saves you. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, it's interesting that in my translation, there's a parenthesis uh, put in. There's a there's a parenthetical put in there. That's in the text. The parenthesis itself is not in the text. Right. But the idea of hey, this is an aside that I want to throw in real quick because I think you're going to take this the wrong way. <laughs> that Peter throws in there. He says baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. And then there's a parenthetical, not the removal of filth of the flesh, not the actual oh, I dipping. See. Yeah. Peter's clarifying, not the actual dipping, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. He says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that he has gone into heaven, he's at God's right hand with angels. He continues on. So he's like, not the actual baptism that saves you, but it's you pledging. Or the, the pledge, what does he say? I'm going to use his words. But the pledge of a good conscience towards God. So Peter immediately is clarifying, no, it's not the actual dipping that saves you. Because he realizes that people are going to immediately think, oh, baptism saves us. Right. Which is why, when I say something on here, there's usually like 17,000 qualifications. Yeah. Because I'm like, that's why I'm like, in a sense, 
it is in a way true that we're all children of God, but I know people are going to take it the wrong way. So I immediately yeah. like, hey, let's clarify this a little bit because that's not what people are typically thinking when they say it. Right. So Peter does the exact same thing in that text, which will take a little bit more examination to understand what he's getting at there, mm -hmm. why he mentions baptism. Okay, we are at 40 minutes. Probably just smacked your face off with all that information. Probably. I did the same thing to a couple guys tonight. Yeah. I told them I'd explain Calvinism and Arminianism in five <laughs> minutes, and it took 20. Yeah. And I scratched a little bit of the surface, but I told them, I'm like, don't, don't get caught up with labels. Just look at a text, read a text, seek to understand what the author is trying to communicate, not just on your own, but talk to older, wiser men who understand how to use and interpret scripture. Correctly. I'm going to get on my rabbit trail if I continue on this, yeah. but I was like, that's enough. <laughs> I didn't say that to them, but that's enough for us tonight. I don't want to talk about reading. We're reading Narnia. Yes. We'll and we're getting that. farther in Narnia. Yeah. And it's, and it's fun. been fun. We're, we're venturing farther and farther into the wardrobe. You let me read a chapter and I did voices. Yeah, you did fun voices. Thanks. I even did a little bit of an accent. I imagine the voices in my head, but I know they're going to sound terrible if I do them out loud. But Desiree does good voices. Thanks. It's fun. So we're still reading that. I had a couple more things I was going to mention, but uh, it's now 9.59 at night. So we're going to cut this off. Yep. We and uh, our tip for the week. I have a tip. Oh, do you? I do have a tip. It's what we talked about on the way home. I don't remember. But we talked okay. about Ephesians 4. Okay. It was a good time. But uh, I'm going to give you a tip, which is a reason to stay connected to your local church. And it's so that you will be firmly rooted and grounded in doctrine. Not because the church is what determines what doctrine is true and what doctrine is false. Right. Rather, st staying connected to your local church keeps you from being blown about by every wind of doctrine. Cross-reference Ephesians 4. It's talking about being involved in the local church as a means of not being blown about by every wind of doctrine because God has equipped people within the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. He's equipped people within the church to teach us who he is. And all of us within the church, within our local church and within the universal church, have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit at work in each of us to help us discern truth amongst other things. So if we stay connected to that local church, we can, if we hear something, we can say, hey, let me talk to some other people that understand this and say, if it's, especially if it's something that sounds like a new doctrine, for example, a mm -hmm. new wind of teaching, to use Ephesians 4 language, then say, hey, maybe I, maybe I should talk to some people in the local church and see what, see what the Holy Spirit's going to reveal through ordinary means of chatting with local church members. So stay connected to your local church so that you're not blown about by every wind of doctrine. There's an Ephesians 4 tip for you. With that, keep serving in your local church. We'll see you next time.